I want to talk to you guys about this incredible new lube I discovered called Woo. I actually used it the other day in my personal life, and holy shit, I'm in love. It smells and it tastes amazing. It's made from natural stevia, vanilla essence, and beeswax. It kills germs, it's full of antioxidants, and it's free from chemicals. The packaging is also very classy and discreet, so it's not an eyesore on your bedside table. So go to wooforplay.com, that's W-O-O-F-O-R-P-L-A-Y.com, and enter code HOLLY for a 10% discount. That's wooforplay.com and enter code HOLLY, H-O-L-L-Y. You guys are going to love this stuff. Today on the show, we have the brilliant Mercedes Carrera. I'm very excited to have her here. She is an incredibly intelligent woman. She is somebody who went from working in aerospace engineering to porn, and she has a very unique view on the porn industry. She also does crossover scenes, meaning that she works in not only quote unquote straight mainstream porn scenes, but she also works with transgender performers, which is something that some people consider a big no-no. So I'm very excited to have her here to tell us why she's comfortable with that, her opinion on what it's like to be a crossover performer, why some people think that it's wrong, why she thinks it's okay. And um, I think she's going to really shed some light on some very controversial issues that kind of have been plaguing the porn industry lately, to be honest. So without further ado, let's welcome Mercedes Carrera. So, um, you are very well known as, first of all, a very intelligent porn star who I like, I follow you on Twitter and I like the way, I love the way that you always are shutting trolls down. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to do that, but you're, you know, when I got on Twitter, it was in the midst of like this game, we're getting controversy and all this yes. shit that was happening. Yes. And so of course I stuck my nose into it because yeah. why wouldn't I? Right. Um, and it's like, cause people tell me, like, oh, you're so intelligent. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel that intelligent, but, right. I, but I feel like I will argue a point if I know Right. That they're wrong. Right, but, right, like, right. I, you're not correct about that. Right. But let's, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your background because yeah. you have a very impressive background. So you worked in engineering, yeah. specifically in aerospace for six years. Yeah. So to, what exactly did you do and what was that like? Well, um, okay, so it's, in my six years, I worked at a very large aerospace firm. Mm-hmm. And uh, first couple of years was engineering rotation, but I ended up specializing in environmental tests for space-based optical systems. Okay. So what that means is like thermal testing. Um, if you send a, let's say, some sort of uh, military uh, communication satellite or something like that, uh-huh. you know, you're dealing with optical lenses. It's basically big cameras in the sky. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So so your lenses are exposed to. Uh, the radiant heat of the sun on one side and the, the cryogenic temperatures of deep space on the other. Uh-huh. And how do we keep these things from warping and, and able to take pictures? Wow. So that, that totally went over my head, but it sounded really sexy. I see. And that's, that's why <laughs> so it's funny because that's why people think I'm smart because I, because I just know shit that they don't know. Right. But it's really like watching paint dry when you actually functionally get into the job. It's <laughs> yeah. literally, I'm looking at a fucking chamber or something that's a space based environment. Like yeah. we turn it into space. Yeah. And then we're thermal cycling and we're watching things change like a tenth of a degree. Yeah. 
an hour. That's yeah. it. So six, <laughs> six months of that shit. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's a very like tedious, yeah. specific thing. And I worked on a couple of big programs and then I ended up in telecom uh-huh. after that. And uh, I was a tech trainer. Yeah. So I did that and then AV and then I ended up here. So Wow. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, okay. So how did you translate, how did you transition from aerospace engineering into porn? You, you know, what's funny is one of my bosses mm-hmm. um, in telecom, was doing websites for the adult industry. This is back in like 2008, 2009. Wow. So I was a I was a tech trainer at the time for a very yeah. large Japanese firm. Uh-huh. And we had a rack uh I had a whole bunch of servers. Uh-huh. Rack servers that I would use for testing, but they had outside lines. Like anyone who's ever worked at a corporation knows you can't get outside access to most websites, especially pornography. They they block them uh-huh. on the on the the ports on the router. Yeah. So my boss was using my servers in my training room uh-huh. to do like beta testing and handle some of this porn stuff. Yeah. Wow. Totally unethical, but we're, we, neither of us work there anymore, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So that was kind of my first exposure to the industry. So wait, how did you find out that he was doing that? Did he tell you that? Yeah, he you, told me. Because okay. we, tra- we used to travel a lot together. We were tech trainers uh-huh. um, and he, handling most of, most of like voice over IP. That was when that was a big deal, video over the inter- internet. Uh-huh. Huge. Yeah. Um, so... But we'd work on, we'd be out in like Timbuktu, Iowa or something. Yeah. And that's what he was doing in his spare time. Wow. And, and he was using my server rack and he was teaching me how to do some of the stuff. So that was kind of my first exposure to like porn as normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'd meet these people he was working with. Yeah. And, um. No, like tech people or like people in the industry? No, in the industry, like okay. performers and their like, husbands. Like who? Um, oh, I, remember? Was, I think it was Mackenzie Lee. Okay. Yeah, I know Mackenzie. And, British, the, British girl. The British girl. Yeah. Because I, I think it was down in Orange County. I worked down in mm-hmm. Orange County at the time. So anyone who lives in Orange County can pretty much deduce where I worked. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that was that was my exposure to. It. And I'll, even I had I had dabbled with a lot of sex work. Mm-hmm. So I was telling you earlier. Like, yeah. I, I had been an escort in college. Right. That's how I paid for school. Right. So and I had modeled as a teenager. Uh huh. I had a really weird life. So it kind of yeah. like it made sense to me. Right. It's just that at that time, and that would have been the time to get into porn. Right. 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 But, you know, I was busy being an engineer. So. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you, okay, so you escorted through college. How did that start for you? Um, that started when I was modeling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the agencies, I mean, and this is the thing that's a bullshit when you talk about like mainstream versus porn and we mm-hmm. get all the, the shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, most mainstream modeling agencies are no more than booking houses too. Mm. And, you know, and I'm not making allegations. I'm just right. saying that it happens functionally, whether, yeah. whether or not the owners of said companies know this or not. Right. It, it, this is how a lot of these girls are making ends meet because you're not making ends meet off of a uh, an Oakley ad once a month. Yeah, I mean, I know that with a lot of times with mainstream modeling, it's either like you're Giselle mm-hmm. or you're like not getting any work. Like there's no in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was I. I did that from like the nineties. Cause I got, I was like, I'm five eight, you guys. So I was tall and I was like a hundred pounds mm-hmm. when I was 12, 13. I got scouted. Mm-hmm. And it was commercial, it was commercial print, but they were still using film at the time, like Polaroids. Mm-hmm. Oh know? yeah. yeah. Oh, you know? I remember. Yeah. So I like, used to shoot film. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so like I worked for Target, like all these big companies and the money was good. And then all of a sudden everything went digital and they're yeah. like, like, we don't need you to wear 15 different t-shirts. We'll wear one t-shirt and Change colorize color. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that changed everything for Interesting. us. Interesting. So, um, and then now you see like they use average people, like regular people for as models like on Amazon or whatever. So it's, yeah. it's changed that whole, the nineties was like the era of the model. Right, you know? right, right. And it's over. But uh, I had an agent that set me up, you know, a party. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was money 
change hands. And how was it for you? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, or? I thought it was cool. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, somebody <laughs> wants to pay me to fuck. I'm like, great. Like, <laughs> I, I have no problem with this. I have no moral issue with it. I, it didn't bother me. You never had any bad experiences? I, I haven't. Like, I really haven't. And I don't know if it's me. Like, I hear these horror stories and yeah. I feel so bad for these girls, but man, I just don't, I haven't. Created. Do you think that it was, were you careful about the clients that you met or do you think that like you just kind of had a different attitude or maybe um, people, or maybe you just got lucky or? It was probably a spidey sense thing. It was like, mm, you okay. know, like I think I, I go with my gut a lot and, um, so that was part of it. And also, you know, like I'm, I'm a larger woman. I'm more adept by the time I was escorting. I was also boxing. Yeah. We were so, talking about that. Yeah. So yeah, cause Holly and I both box and, um. And so I, I wasn't afraid. Right. And I think that that's, unfortunately, you know, like if... Guys can sense if you're vulnerable and they yeah. think they can take advantage of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So yeah. I didn't get those kind of clients because they knew I will kick their asses. Yeah. I, was, I was like, that lamp will go through your fucking forehead. Yeah. So, like, fine. So I, I got a lot... I, mean, I, had, I loved my clients, so I had great experiences. I actually felt like it was a very therapeutic mm. thing to be with people when they're lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, what were most of them like, like, as well, people? Business guys. Mm-hmm. Just business guys, you know, um, like tropes, you know, be like the married guy who's unhappy but doesn't yeah. leave his wife because he's invested, you know, and yeah, like yeah. that's and it's like so sad because you're like, ah, oh, this sucks. Yeah, like, you're, you guys are. You hear these stories like these people are married for fifteen years and they're so not close, right? Like you know, like you're, yeah. like you're spending your disposable income seeing an escort, like like you know, come yeah. on, man, this is your life. Yeah. So I, I think I have a lot more empathy for people and their different right. stages. And then some of them were just like lonely guys, business yeah. travelers, like whatever. So I've heard from quite a few girls that um, a lot of times when they do meet with clients, like sex almost seems like the least important part of the experience. Yeah. That a lot of them just like kind of want someone to hang out with, someone yeah. to talk to, like yeah. someone to spend time with. Like the sex usually like lasts a short amount of time. Yeah. And then a lot of it is like, just hanging out and kind of having like a conversation. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of, especially, you know, for men, I think as women, we have friends, we have friendships, we have friend networks. And mm-hmm. like, like for me, like I'm bisexual. I've always had a lot of female, like I have female friends. Like I have, we have a dynamic group of people where we can have emotional connections or mm-hmm. spiritual ones or whatever. Um, but I, with a lot of men, they don't have that because mm-hmm. they're, they're male friends. It's a competitive environment. So mm-hmm. we're, they're only safe with like a, a sexual partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So or they a, can't, they can't like reveal. Like they're more vulnerable side to their male friends. Yeah, totally. And maybe, you know, if either they don't have a wife or they have a wife mm-hmm. that they can't feel like they talk to and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that that's where, you know, it's a lot of clientele are men. And that's, that's why, because it's hard for them to find. For most women, we, we can find things to fulfill us. Yeah. And it's not hard for most women to get dick. Like it's, you, no, you know, no. Yeah, um, that's true. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I have a lot more compassion for men after doing that. And I think, mm-hmm. and also I worked in mostly male worlds. Mm-hmm. I worked with all, all men in the gym, all men in my boxing gym. And I, I just, I, I actually don't have like a, an inner, like innate fear mm-hmm. of men. I, I, I don't either. I actually yeah. often feel more comfortable in a large group yeah. of men than I do in a large group of women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that and that makes sense. I mean, just like historically it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like they did a study, um, double one study on testosterone and they found that actually even though it's considered to be an aggressive compound, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, oh, testosterone is toxic yeah. masculinity. Well, actually it's not. It's a collaborative um, testo- hormone because they when they did this double one test, it's this test where let's say – there's two strangers. One of them gets a hundred dollars. Uh-huh. The other, that stranger has a hundred dollars. Person A, let's say, uh-huh. can offer person B an amount, a monetary amount, anywhere from one to a hundred dollars, right? Uh-huh. 
if that person accepts, they both get to keep the money. Right. If that person declines, then neither of them get the money. Okay. Okay. So what they found when they microdosed, especially women with testosterone, uh-huh. they found that they were more uh, uh, egalitarian, more likely to give. Let's say, oh, I'll give you fifty bucks, because you think about it, like historically, prehistorically, hunter gatherers, that buffalo is not carrying itself. Yeah. Men have to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. in the best interest of everybody. Right. And so. I think men get a really bad rap mm-hmm. because it's, it, it, you know, whereas actually estrogen is a lot more of a combative hormone. Interesting. Yeah. And, and they also found when they told women they just went with testosterone and they didn't, they were very aggressive. Like, oh, I'll give you a dollar. I'm going to be yeah. super masculine. But then when they actually gave it to them, totally different outcome. Huh. Yeah. So hormones have a lot to do with it. And I think that, you know, if you kind of understand these principles, like I can, I can predict male behavior much better. Than a lot of female behavior. Interesting. Which makes sense. It's like, well, yeah, so. it's kind of true. I feel like men are more, I mean, they're more predictable. Yeah. 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 Whereas women, is like, <laughs> you don't know like what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. And then, like, and hell, I'm guilty of it. You know, yeah. like estrogen spikes, I'm like, a yeah. coffee mug's going through the fucking wall right now. Like, who the fuck? Like, fuck you. Man. But, but, you know, that's, so I, I think I have a soft spot for mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. And after seeing him, like, I had one guy like break down and cry, mm-hmm. you know, because he was so sad that he had to pay. Like, he didn't want to. He loved it. He loved his wife, but he was just mm-hmm. miserable. You know, yeah. you're like, God, that sucks. Yeah, like, like, you know. Yeah. So obviously, you are somebody who's a proponent. You believe that pro- prostitution should be legal. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's it's an, it's an absurd notion that that any government. I'm a, I'm a big fan of small government. Any yeah. government has the right to regulate what I do with my own free will and consent with my body. Yeah. Like fuck you. It's like what George Carlin said. Fucking legal, and like. You know, paying for shit's legal, so why not like just put them together? I think that was it. Yeah, so like that. I'll pay for fucking. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I've always felt that way. Yeah. As, as my mother says, it's the oldest profession in the world. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Did you see the thing with the primates where they gave them currency? And, and, no. <laughs> oh yeah. So they did this study, and they gave. I think they were bonobos. Um, no, no, no. It wasn't bonobos. It was chimpanzees. They gave chimpanzees okay. currency. If, and then they taught them a system where they give them currency for fruit. Uh-huh. Well, the, the first thing that started happening is the, the old, uh, chimpanzees were giving uh, giving money and, and fruit away for sexual favors. <laughs> <laughs> they shut down the, the, the study because it was so embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm like, they, they're doing – this is part of our nature. Yeah, I mean it's not surprising because even if you're not directly paying for escorts or mm-hmm. prostitutes, we – sex sells. Everybody pays. And we use sex to sell everything in our society. Absolutely. We use it to to sell hamburgers. Oh, the $6 burger. Remember yeah. Going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. Huge. We use it to sell everything. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I also, I agree with you. It's a little bizarre. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a, like a, a sign of like, you know, this, this overwhelming like daddy state mm-hmm. kind of thing of like, I'm going to regulate your pussy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> How do you feel about performers who look down on other girls for escorting? Because you see a lot of that in the industry. They're like, oh, she's an escort on the side. And you hear that like that kind of like chatter. chitter chatter. I think, you know, it seems like to me, and this is just based, and look, I've only been in the industry for four years. So this mm-hmm. is my like really rudimentary assessment of it. But it seems like it's a legacy thing. It's kind of like talking about working with trans performers or, or mm-hmm. crossovers where there's there were people in the 90s who were rightfully scared of HIV. Mm-hmm. And so went into this like scorched earth mode of we need to circle the wagons and nobody can fuck anybody outside the industry. Mm-hmm. And I think when you hear this concern about escorting or you can hear concern about working with crossovers or trans, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they're, they're disease factories. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not true now. Mm-hmm. And 
so you have a lot of old information, I think, and I think that's where a lot of this, this hysteria comes. Because you know, I'm going to tell you, most of these, most of the clients for escorts, they're not men who are getting a lot of sex. Yeah, they're pretty low risk population mm-hmm. overall. And then, did you did you did you find that a lot of them want to use protection, or they don't? They all want to because, okay. like, especially guys who are married. Yeah, they don't want to bring something home. They're, to their they're wife. terrified. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, we we're more of a risk to them than they are to us. Right. So you know, I, look, I can't speak for the you know the twenty dollar you know streetwalk. I, I right. you know I, I'm sure that's a whole different thing. I can only speak to my own experience. Experiences, right. but. Um, I just I I don't see like I understand where those sex workers are concerned. But, you know, I think the industry and a lot of the people who say that it's a lot of slinging shit and it's a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, people finding a way to to fuck with each other. Yeah, and I stay out of that. Like, mm-hmm. not really interested. Yeah, I just think that as long as people are practicing safe sex uh-huh. outside of the industry, like what you do in your free time is is your choice. And the thing is, it's like, we don't know what people are doing in their no. free time, you know? And no. I mean, even if girls aren't escorting, how do you know they're not going to the club and getting hammered and fucking some random dude in the alley just because they're 20 years old and they're drunk? Oh yeah. Well, you know? after, I mean, Coachella, EDC, every, the, every dude, one of those festivals, yeah. I'm like, how many, how many bad tests are we going to pop this time? Cause that's, that's where the shit really happens. Yeah. And, I mean, when I was in my twenties and I okay. was like hammered and I was sleeping around, dude, oh, yeah. I never used condoms. Oh no. Like, but most, and I've never, knock on wood got an STD in my life yes which is like I can't fucking believe how I like won that lottery that's amazing yeah the, no. the first time I had an STD was in the industry like that's insane like it's, yeah. it's just and it's just the consequence of, yes. of you know like things spread and so we we have to be aware but you know the te- testing works yes. especially with HIV testing works so yeah. I'm kind of like I don't understand. That's why I get frustrated when like there is an HIV outbreak and we yeah. cause a moratorium and then like we call a moratorium and then uh, they're on the news and then the news is like HIV in the porn industry and yeah. actually that's the testing system working because yeah. almost every time they're catching somebody um, who's tested positive before they've gone in and started working. Absolutely. And and then we call the moratorium. Everybody right. stops working. We test everyone, you know, yeah. and we're, we're so thorough. And, I mean, we haven't had an outbreak in a long time. No, it was like over 11, 12 years. Yeah. You know, from eight onset transmission. Yeah. And plus, you know, and HIV's changed, too. You know, a lot of the mm-hmm. gay people, I know they're, they're, on, they're prep. on PrEP mm-hmm. there. Or, you know, uh, I have a friend who's, H- who's HIV positive, and he's on all his antivirals and he doesn't register and he's with a younger partner who mm-hmm. um, is aware of his status mm-hmm. and he says, I don't mind. I'd rather almost be with somebody who's HIV positive and knows their status is on antivirals because mm-hmm. his viral load is, it's non-transmissible and the guy's on prep. So I think that there's like the general public is kind of behind the gay culture mm-hmm. and how they're handling things. And we're still looking at it from this nineties yeah, model. Yeah. Like people don't really understand mm-hmm. um, the advances. Absolutely. You know, it's crazy. I remember I was talking to my parents, um, you know, who've obviously been in the, were in the industry forever. Yeah. And uh, they remember when HIV first like kind of came around in the 80s. Yeah. And my mom was still shooting movies at the time. Uh-huh. And my dad was telling me how they had this um, like – like blood truck, like blood testing truck oh. show up at their house. And they were like, when they were um, auditioning people for the movie, uh-huh. they would have them go. And this was completely, um, uh, what's the word? Um, 
oh my God, voluntary on their part, on yeah. the part of my parents, you know, okay, and cool. they were like, okay, well, now that this has come about, we feel that we have a duty to test these people yeah. to make sure that they don't, they aren't carrying this before we, you know, book them in the scene. So mm-hmm. they had this blood truck outside of our house because they ran the office out of the back guest house. So oh. I was a kid and I was there and there was this blood truck there and they had these people come in audition for this and then go in and like get tested for HIV. Wow. Um, and actually that was when my mom decided that she didn't want to shoot movies anymore. Oh, wow. Because she just was like, you know what? This is getting, this shit's getting too real. Yeah. And so she stopped. And then she went back to, and she, most of what she did was shooting magazine layouts. And back then, We, they weren't shooting penetration. Ah, interesting. Because this is before the internet, obviously. Yeah. So if you look back at like, you know, old penthouses, old yeah. hustlers, old club magazines, high societies from the 80s, yeah. um, there was no penetration. It was all ah. softcore. And it was funny too, because there was a very specific rule about even where the guy's penis could be. Ah. So it couldn't be fully erect. Ah. It couldn't be pointing directly at the vagina, ah. like looking like it was about to penetrate. It had to be like at a 45 degree angle, like pointing down. Ah. So it's like pictures of like these girls like looking all like hot, like they're going to get fucked in the sky with like this half limp dick. It's oh. very bizarre. Oh, but the problem was is because, you know, they were distri- distributing these magazines yeah. all in different states and yeah. they all had different like obscenity rules. Mm-hmm. And then Canada was really strict about it. So oh. they had to be really careful about oh. what they were showing in the magazines. And then the internet came along and it changed everything. Oh, wow. That's so, you know, it's yeah. funny, now that you say that, I remember seeing pictures like that mm-hmm. going, wow, that guy's like not excited to be there at all. Yeah, you know? yeah no, they <laughs> couldn't really like they couldn't really like get hard oh. because they, they'd never showed penetration. Oh wow! I see that that now that makes sense. Yeah, I was like, what happened? Like, why like male porn stars at that era? Mm-hmm. Like, because I was like, I think yeah, I have a bigger dick. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It was that. That's like the way it was. That's fascinating. So weird, right? That's fascinating, and it makes sense because like a lot of the good performers, like Vanessa Rio, like mm-hmm. she, like I love her work. She's one of the first porn stars I ever saw. Yeah, and um. But she got out in the nineties because she, uh-huh. you know, and I, I've read a lot of biographies where a lot of them were like, "I can't film anymore. I'm scared." Yeah, of, and it makes sense. I mean, yeah. at that time, it was a it was a mystery disease, mm-hmm. and people were dying really probably largely of the, the medication too. Mm-hmm. It was so neurotoxic. Mm. The 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 one that they. Um, I was reading about this the other day. The first FDA-approved uh, AIDS cocktail mm-hmm. had actually originally been for leukemia, but it was so neurotoxic mm. that they repurposed it and started giving it to AIDS patients. And that's why so many of them were dying in oh, mass. Wow. Criminal. Wow. That's crazy. We've come so far. So far. It's amazing. I mean, with medicine, like, they didn't even really do, they, they weren't really doing anything with DNA back then. I mean, everything's changed in medicine. So yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, so you were married. Uh-huh. And uh, your husband works mostly in he works in mainstream now. He works right? he works in mainstream, He's, but he was he was in porn in the nineties. He did some porn in the nineties. So, but you met him because you said you only got into the industry four years ago. Yeah. So when you met him, he had you didn't meet him in the industry. No, then. not okay. at all. I wasn't in the industry when we met. Okay. Yeah. So like we've been together since I got in the industry. Okay. So was he kind of somebody who helped introduce you to the industry? Um, he was he was always been supportive mm-hmm. of. Of it because he understands it mm-hmm. because he had done support in the nineties and he's he, he still shoots he sometimes runs camera for um, like Gamma and some of these other production houses mm-hmm. he's friends with some of the directors so he's familiar with the industry and he's enlightened and he understands that this is a career and also like and, and I think my husband and I are fans of each other like mm-hmm. I'm fan I'm a fan of him and his work and he's mm-hmm. a fan of me and my work not like in a like fan fan way but mm-hmm. he's. I think we're proud of each other and the work we do in the world. And mm-hmm. he's, he sees, he and I both see uh, pornography as a really important piece of like the human psyche. It's mm-hmm. a, like we, we are the, 
the shadow outcast. Like we're, we are the, the holders of the collective unconscious, the sexuality and mm-hmm. society, you know? Yeah. So we're doing something valuable. But he's always been really great about it because he, he is also a gigolo mm-hmm. <laughs> in his youth. That's so funny. He can sling some dick. He's a coxman. So, um, so he gets going on set and performing and that not being real life. Yeah. But also, why not be present and appreciate it and, and like it, not be uncomfortable? Because I think that, you know, it's, I understand a lot of partners are very, you know, there's some jealousy or concern. Right. And like my husband and I are so much more than sex mm-hmm. that like nobody's going to replace him. Yeah. So we're best friends. Like right. if we, like if we're not together, then we'd be best friends. Right. Right. It, so it, it's kind of like, it's, it's moot, you know? Yeah. So basically like he's not threatened by your sexuality. Oh no, not and at all. And you're not threatened by his. No, not at all. Yeah. No. I mean, cause to me it's like, I, I, and I actually think maybe it's an ego thing on both of our part where I'm like, my husband's fucking sexy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. of course. Like he's <laughs> like, it's my married. I'm like, yeah. And he kind of feels the same way about me. So it's right. kind of a, I, and I think that that's a healthy way to do it. And I, I think there's 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 always growing pains in any industry because you're kind of like going, okay, how do I, how do people manage this? But I, from the beginning, I've this has not been a personal. I've never been enmeshed in a pers- mm-hmm. my personal life in mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep it separate. It, kind, you know, kind of. I mean, it's like I think there's. It's hard when you're 20 and you're single and you're yeah. dating other performers and there's and you're basically like and also too you don't really know yourself as a person yet. No, like when, no. When, I mean when you're in your 20s, especially if you're 20, I didn't know anything. No, God no. Oh my God. No, I, like I, I work with these girls who are 18, 19. I'm like, well, bless them, but like I could never have done. I didn't yeah. start until I was like almost 31. Yeah. It, that, and that was still, and I've still learned a, a fuck ton about myself yeah. in four years. I have totally grown and changed as a person. Absolutely. And it, that, this industry will do that. It forces, you can confront, you confront your issues mm-hmm. and you either slay the dragon and you come out on top yeah. or, or it'll devour you and you have to, yeah. and uh, you know, when you're young, you just don't have the, that skill set, the toolkit yeah. to go, wow, what is it? What does this mean? This is coming up for me. Right. I right. have to confront this piece of myself. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It's all about the journey. Totally. Totally. And I, I think it's, it, pornography is amazing because we get to do these roles that are really verboten and there are things that we're not supposed to do and it's concepts and, you know, there's incest or you know, fucking your friends or whatever. And you're like, oh, we get to yeah. explore that. Yeah. You get to live out these fantasies in a safe place. Totally. And it also, too, it challenges you and your relationships with other people outside the industry. Totally. You know, I know so many people who have lost. And for me, I mean, first of all, I'm not a performer, so I know that I don't put myself out there in a way that other performers do. I recognize that. Yeah. But also, too, I come from a family that worked in the industry, so I've never had to experience the thought of possibly losing, you know, my parents or my siblings right. or my friends or anybody because of what I've done. I've never had, like, those kinds of consequences. Yeah, and that's a real, you know, to me it's like, and I keep my circle small anyway, but I think you get to a point in life where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do, and if I'm not harming people, and if people who matter to me, who are close to me, love me, and I love them. But this is a very, like, bounded thing. It's a very, like, conditional type of love mm-hmm. that you hear in the industry. I hear it from girls whose parents have disowned them, and I'm like, what a bunch of assholes. Yeah. And I think the harder part for a lot of performers is having to go, wow, they never loved me at all. Yeah, that's that's the real part because yeah. if they did love you, then they wouldn't give a fuck what you did. Right, right. So it's a lot of people having to confront, like you know, what? my my parents were shit. Yeah, my family was shit, and, and saying that because there's a stigma mm-hmm. around being honest. Yeah. So I believe in radical honesty, mm. and that's that's a scary place to live. Yeah. Everybody's got to be on board. Yeah. Because somebody's going to get hurt otherwise. Because right. it's not it's not a personal thing. Right. So if I do porn, somebody doesn't like it. Well, you know. 
Yeah. They don't have to do it. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, like the way that different parents react. I remember Joanna Angel came on the show, and she was talking about when her parents found out that she was doing porn. Yeah. And, you know, her parents are, um, you know, very uh, strict um, Israel, uh, uh, Jewish yeah. You know, family. Yeah. And um, she was saying that, you know, and she was very much involved in the punk scene. Oh, yeah. And her, like, punk friends rejected her. Oh, interesting. You know, and, then, and actually, she said that she started off just doing, like, topless stuff. So before she was even doing porn, uh-huh. her, like, punk friends who were supposed to be, like, fuck the system, yeah. revolutionary, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, those are the kinds of people that you yeah. think, like, wouldn't give a shit right. that you were doing that. They all, like, turned on her and rejected her. Uh-huh. And then her parents, uh-huh. these strict religious people, uh-huh. um, you know, they weren't thrilled about it, but they loved her. Uh-huh. And they supported her and they embraced her. And she yeah. actually ended up like going home and like oh. being with her family after like her friends turned her away for like her yeah. decision in life. So yeah. like it's it's amazing these yeah. stories you hear about like, you know, these these parents who have a certain, you know, um certain belief system. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they really love their children, yeah. eventually they'll just come around and they'll be like, look, this is your decision as long as you're being safe and yeah. and you're happy. Like, you know, we love you and we support you. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, that's that's the part that like I said, I think that's the rule. That's where it's traumatic for mm-hmm. for the girls. It's not. It's not that they're rejected. It's that 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 person would reject them. It's like mm-hmm. that's the painful mm-hmm. part. And I and that's why you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. It's. I mean, you're just individuating from your parents to begin with. Like mm-hmm. you haven't even done that. Mm-hmm. Let alone to come to terms with the fact that wow, these people really don't give a fuck about me. Yeah. And and you know what? That's okay. Like some people just don't. They don't have the capacity to love the way you need. Yeah. And so you have to find that. Or they just have such like incredibly deep seated issues that yeah. they just can't. Oh, totally. They can't embrace it, and they can't. I mean, I think honestly, one of the most important things about growing up and, you know, really um, coming to terms with, you know, who you are in your relationships with other people is recognizing that not people are going to let you down and to manage your expectations. Absolutely. And that everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. Absolutely. And that's like completely key. You just have, you have, and that's, that's that, like it goes full circle, that full love loop where you finally go, you know what? These people reject me because they're not whole. Yes. And I, and I, I cannot be upset with somebody who's not whole. Yeah. Because they don't even know. It's like like in the Bible, they know not what they do. And I'm right. not religious. I'm an atheist. But but it's like that's kind of a universal principle. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't have the capacity. And then you get to choose if you want to be around them, if you want to love them from far away, or if you want to detach. Like we have that choice in life. We get right. to make our own family. We get to make our own friends. And, yeah. and also it's indicative of like, you know, if you're like, let's say Joanna's punk rock friends, I'm like just hypothesizing, mm-hmm. but if they rejected her, their discomfort with their own sexuality, their discomfort with the system yes. and, and, and kind of that. And so, you know, she gets to make new, got to make new friends that, yeah. that exalt her. And like, yes. so it's, it, it's a growth process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of incredible. Actually. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's, 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 it can be painful, but it's so rewarding to find out like, you know, who your friends really are. Absolutely. And who your tribe really is. Absolutely. You know, and, Absolutely. That's, and that's something that, you know, I think I've definitely discovered. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be really painful when people that you thought cared about you just couldn't, just, you know, kind of pulled away. But, right. you know, I've always, I've always kind of felt like, you know, it just, I, I don't know. I try, I try not to hold people up fault for that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a waste of time. Like, yeah. it's like time is the only currency you can't buy more of. Yes. <laughs> so it's, that's it. Like, we're all on terminal. Like, I, I watched some like inspirational video on Facebook the other day where they were talking about, um, how time is currency. Oh, yeah. And totally. how you can, you can spend money, yeah. um, 
but that and then you can get something back you can get that back but like if you spend time you can't get that back absolutely like and how we don't value time in the same way that like we value money completely but time is like the only thing that like you can never ever you can yeah. never get it back you can't borrow it you can't buy it it, it doesn't matter how yeah. wealthy you are yeah. it's it's literally and i i did um, a lot of hospice volunteering in my 20s it was oh god that must have been really it was interesting because tough. i well I, think, I have like a huge fear of death what was like it, death freaks me out what was it, part of like i think i was trying to confront that cuz i did all these hypnotherapeutic courses and mm-hmm. i got all these certifications in hypnotherapy because i was trying to like re-engineer my brain mm-hmm. like it's total engineering thing i was like okay how does my brain work i want it mm-hmm. to be optimal um but i Went and I was doing the hospice volunteer, and I had these like delusions early on to be like this, you know, beautiful thing, and like you send people off, and, you know, be with their families. And instead, it's like actually really like it's people at their most raw, and you see like the ugliness in the families. They're fighting already over the items. This person's not dead yet. Like there's a lot of that shit, and so it kind of shatters your disillusion. You know, it yeah. disillusions you to like this idea, this kind of grandeur. It's like we're all getting by. Yeah. So your goal, like to me, my goal in life is just to do the best with the time I have here, yeah. and that's all I can do, and yeah. and have good people. But you know, we're all ashes, ashes, dust to dust eventually. So yeah. you know, you, like what mark did I leave? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I think that we were all, you know, it, it, it can't it can't be something that consumes you like the mm-hmm. idea of death, but it can't be something that that we completely ignore. It's like yeah. something in the middle. Yeah, because we don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. Right. Right. So like like I said, so death is like one of my greatest fears. Like yeah. the the idea of like non existence like freaks me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is one of your greatest fears? Greatest fears. Um, I think the the greatest fear I have is that like someone that something will happen to the people that I love. Mm. That's a, that's my like. Death specifically, or just in general, death, or 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 something. You know, like like I think I worry a lot about the people I care about. Yeah, and that's like that consumes a lot of me, and I don't mm-hmm. even realize it's like a background program. Um, but other than that, I actually like I developed a fear of heights, and somehow, mm-hmm. sometime in like the last five years, I don't know what the hell. Ha- I went to the Grand Canyon, and I think that was the onset of it, mm-hmm. and I was standing. It just didn't bother me when I was younger. Yeah. And for some reason, I was looking down, I got complete vertigo, and I was like, holy fuck. Like, I felt like I was going to fall. Yeah. And after that, I can't, like, look down at arenas and stuff. I I don't know what the hell that's about. But but, what about flying? Is that not a problem? But flying doesn't bother me. For some reason, being in a mechanism, like, I'm in my own little habitat. I don't don't love to fly just because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. But it's like, (laughs) but, but like the height thing, I'm like, well, if, you know, if we're going down, we're all fucking going down. Yeah. It's just whatever. You know, but the, the, the thing with like the grandness of the depth of something like the Grand Canyon, I'm just like, ooh. You know, it's funny because I sort of have a fear of heights too. Do you ever, like, I don't know, for me, I have this strange, like, Lizard brain fear that I might actually jump, yeah, or something or be like pushed that. Pushed off or yeah, flip. like I have, yeah, like it's like you might actually, and Go. and you know that you're not going to do that, yeah. but like there's, I don't know, I feel like maybe because in that in a split second yeah. you you could do that, yeah, and you could literally like. Just change your life totally, and it's just like this. This, I mean, you're at the edge, you're at the precipice of a decision or something like totally, that. Totally, yeah, totally. And that's and also like at the, at the Grand Canyon, it kind of slopes down. They don't have like a lot of fences and so yeah. And I'm just like, God, it would just you just fall. You know? Yeah, and it happens. Yeah, like, of course. Like then I looked it up, and like it happens. Like yeah, a bunch of times a year, like kids fall in the Grand Canyon and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I know it's like partially Darwinian. I'm like, watch your fucking kids. In yeah. the Grand Canyon. I'm like, come on, man. I know it's horrible to say, but yeah. like, come on, it's a, it's a Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Put them in a stroller. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and I feel bad for the kids, but right. it's still like, I don't know. I just and I had the same thing. I went to a, a I was an orchestral contest or a concert, and um, 
I was like, I have nosebleed seats because I wanted to see this opera. Uh-huh. And I, I was there for like 20 minutes. I was like, I can't watch this because it was straight down. Yeah. I think it was in the like Orange County, something, one of those. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I'm starting to just, I'm holding on to like the armrest and my hand, my knuckles are turning white. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Wow. Yeah. It was and you have really, no idea where that came from. And, yeah. And I'm not generally afraid of stuff. Like things don't, things like that don't bother, like physical mm-hmm. stuff doesn't bother me, but mm-hmm. heights, man. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so that's all that's right. So I won't book you in a scene on like a crane. No, <laughs> yeah, no, there's people like you see like, these Russian kids that's you know crawl up these buildings. And yes, taking selfies. I'm like, what the fuck? Yes, get them down, get them down. Yeah, or like, or they like, isn't there a whole Instagram where they like just bungee jump off of like buildings and shit like oh, that? Yeah, there like, is. Oh fuck that! And they do the live video and you see it, and I'm just yeah. like, you no. Know, and anytime I'm like a glutton for like, I want to be masochistic. I'm like, yeah, I watch those. And I'm like, ah. yeah, yeah. No, I can't handle that. Yeah, I don't know. Freaks me out. Um, so you also work with trans performers, yeah. which is something that a lot of uh, people won't do. A lot of, and it was interesting. So I had uh, Dark Light on, I and then I also had Eva Paradis on. <laughs> I, can, I can't pronounce her name in the amazing Italian way that she pronounces it, <laughs> but and she's a trans performer. And we were just talking about how you know, and like I said, I've been in the industry twenty years, yeah. and there is no way that even a decade ago, like mainstream performers mm-hmm. such as yourself, mm-hmm. such as Jessica Drake, mm-hmm. such as other like big names, would ever do a trans scene. Right. Like there's such a separation in our industry between the gay scene, mm-hmm. the straight scene, the yeah. trans scene, and um, there's actually like a lot of like intrinsic homophobia and transphobia in the straight industry. Um, So have you, is that, have you like had a lot of pushback because of that? Well, so the first um, trans movie I did, was like two and a half, three years ago. So I was only in the industry for like a year, Mm -hmm. but I met River Stark, who Mm -hmm. um, is, she's a combat veteran, Mm -hmm. who's a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And we got to talking, I would come from an army family and stuff, and we wanted to tell her story. So Mm -hmm. I played her wife. And Mm -hmm. so she comes back from war. But when I, when, I wanted to tell the story. This is what was the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like she was trans cool. Like whatever. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to tell the story of this, right. this combat vet who comes back and realizes she's a woman. Right. Like that's a fucking big deal. Yeah. You, know? yeah, yeah. you go to war and then you come back and like, you go to war, which is like such a masculine masculine. environment. Yeah. 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 Like talk about like just a total chrysalis, like transformation. Right. And um and then also getting to play the wife that's just terrified and but I got a lot of pushback when I decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that, Mercedes. You can't do that. That's now. Who told you that? Like fans, your agent, it, like the, the the my agent wasn't happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't tell me not to. They mm-hmm. t- they were not happy. I think they thought, well, you know, you're gonna kill your career, but whatever. Yeah. And um, then there were other people in the industry that were like, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Like, you know, now that you told me not, I'm so going to do this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to fucking do this like 10 times harder. Yeah. So, um, it, 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 was, it was a great fucking story, too. Yeah. Because in, in the movie, too, I had a scene with River and then I had a scene with uh, a trans escort that mm-hmm. I hired who's Aspen Brooks, mm-hmm. uh, who's just phenomenal. And I was her first cis female ever, mm-hmm. ever in life or oh, in camera. Wow. Yeah. She was 18. Yeah. So it was really cool. And, yeah. And we had a really positive experience. And so when I did that, that was, you know, that was. No, it was two, three years ago. Back then, it was still considered to be not mm-hmm. like like it's it's improved now. Like where we're at now, there are bigger names because I don't think Adriana had done that. Yeah. I don't know Jessica had. Like I think that I actually was there, and I I love the trans women. Mm-hmm. I love I love their community. I love the artistry and the pageantry and the creativity and also and the bravery. The bravery. There's they're they're 
like such fierce bitches. And I'm yeah. like, yes, girl. Like, I mean, can you imagine like being born into a gender that you did not feel you belonged in? No, I, like that. That is, in, and then having to try to change that, and then having the, you know, the stigma uh-huh. and the name calling and the uh-huh. violence yeah. brought against you by a society that doesn't want to accept you for who you are, and feeling like you know, and I was. So I have, um, I, I told this story to Eva too. I have a friend who I can, who I adore uh-huh. and who I consider to be a very liberal person. Uh-huh. And I was shocked when um, we brought up something, the trans uh, subject came up and he was like adamantly against it. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, I just think people have too many choices these days. Uh-huh. Like, You're a man, stay a man. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, why would anybody, uh-huh. like, unless they felt that that was really the path that they had to be on? Yeah. And can you imagine, like, the kind of soul searching oh, you have to go through? God. Why would you make that choice and put yourself yeah. through, yeah. like, the agony you know you're going to go through? Not just, like, physically with, yeah. like, the hormones and, like, the surgeries, uh-huh. but also, too, like, the way you're going to be treated by society, Absolutely. the way you're probably going to be shunned by your family and friends. Absolutely. Why would you somebody put themselves through that unless they felt that that was, like, truly their destiny and truly who they were. Absolutely. And what an incredibly agonizing and difficult journey. Oh, absolutely. And I think maybe, maybe I have more empathy for it because like when I so when I was in college, I like went through this period of time where I thought I was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And and like I and I realized I'm just bisexual. It's just mm-hmm. whatever. But um I had to sit with it because I was boxing and I was like around all these men. And I was like, what am I doing? Like who am I mm-hmm. exactly? And I and that's a really minor fucking thing mm-hmm. compared to having going, oh my god, I'm I'm in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think that there it's it's a it's a historical thing. And I think people don't realize this too, that the transsexualism goes back like to Babylon. Like there mm-hmm. were for example, like in the um in the the cults of Inanna and the cults of Ishtar, which were some of the greater goddess cults, there were transsexual priestesses that were considered to actually be exalted, like almost demigod status, because they were the embodiment of the male and female mm-hmm. unified in one body. So yeah. this is this is an old practice. This is not new. Right. It's just that with media now, these are things that were hush hush before, and you uh-huh. didn't know because most of them lived as women. And so, um, and also like there were trans men. Like, a lot of women joined the the Royal Navy mm-hmm. back in the seventeen hundreds. So we, people have been doing this for a long time. Right. Unfortunately, I think it's been politicized and and, it, and it's hurtful to mm-hmm. to that community of people. But but one thing I I do love is I see like the trans community kind of coming into their power. Mm-hmm. You are at the TAs, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like so proud of them. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of these people who've been so brave and so like willing to just. Do something different mm-hmm. that works for them. Because mm-hmm. I, I, like, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I don't give a fuck what people do. Like, yeah. like as long as you're not hurting like kids or animals, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the the a lot of the bigotry, especially coming from a lot of men, it's it's a they're afraid of their own sexuality, their attraction. To mm-hmm. these women, and I think also too, it probably threatens their own sense of masculinity. Absolutely, because you know? it's because it can be changed, it can be modified, mm-hmm. and you know hormones. Yeah, hormones change. They can they can allow you to to you know. And somebody had an interesting hypothesis. Like, I don't know if you saw the movie Cloud Atlas. Mm. It's a really interesting film. It's not it's by the 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 creators of the Matrix, who are actually both trans women. Yeah, um, but they had they have the story about these people they're like entities like consciousness that, mm-hmm. that manifest themselves in different times and places as different people but all kind of have some interlocking story it's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting movie um and you know it's possible maybe maybe like people's spiritual essence is gendered and they come into a body they incarnate and the body's not the right one they have to right. modify it right but like who am i to say i don't and that's know. their journey and maybe that's their challenge yeah and like cool we live in a time and place where that's possible awesome yeah 
Like, yeah. I don't see what the difference is. Like, I don't want to hear from some Jimbro guy who takes steroids that trans women are gross. Like, dude, you're doing the same thing in a different way. Yeah. You're all, you're augmenting yourself to be mm-hmm. the, who you want to be. Mm-hmm. How is this different? Yeah. Um, how do you feel about, um, the suggestion that like crossover performers are, um, dangerous STD wise? Oh, it's, it's, it's such an absurdity. Like, it's such an absurdity because when you deal with crossover performers, and like I work with D a lot, I love mm-hmm. D. R. Clay. He's a personal friend of mine. Um, they test exactly the same. It's it, this is it, it's t- science. Like maybe this is my engineering background, but this is science. It's mm-hmm. really simple. If people on a fourteen day test, they don't run any more risk to me whether they're crossovers or straight. Mm-hmm. A- again, that's a '90s model of oh, the, the gays are getting the AIDS and they're giving yeah. it to us. And, and really, I don't see that. I think that the, the gay industry has their own separate thing because for a long time they needed to have their own testing because some of them are HIV positive. Yeah, but now it's easier to transmit um, it through the anal walls as opposed to the vaginal walls. Yeah, but then that also raises the question: How does that differentiate between a girl who does a lot of anal? That's that's and that's the thing. I mean, anal is such a standard in our industry now. Right. I don't really see that. Like as an issue, and I think that um, I had a really good conversation when I first started in the industry. I will always be grateful to Sir Tom Moore, mm. who you can find on Twitter, who shoots mm-hmm. for um, Trans Angels. Yes, and because he was uh, a photographer on a, on a shoot I was on, and um, that uh, shoot, I was working with a performer who was a crossover, and mm-hmm. I didn't know this because I was brand new. I was like four or five months mm-hmm. in the industry, and I didn't even know really what that meant. Mm-hmm. So it came out. Because I guess this guy actually, we should probably explain to our audience because I, I realize sometimes that we throw like uh, industry jargon out there and I don't explain. So, oh, yeah. a crossover performer is somebody who does gay um, scenes and I guess maybe trans, trans. scenes as well. Yeah, and they also do straight scenes. Yeah, so just for those of you listening, that's what that means. Yeah, yeah. So I, I worked with this guy. It ended up being a thing because what happened was he worked with a couple of girls, and then he had some sort of like trolls online that were stalking him. So every time he changed his name and go to straight porn, they'd ah, oh, this is this guy's really a gay porn star. Mm-hmm. They post all this shit, and so. You know, I'm hearing all this from agents. I mean, there's a lot of very well-known agents that will not let their girls work with crossovers. Yes. You know, right? So I'm hearing all of this, but I talked to Tom where I asked him about it because he had a BDSM background and he and I became friends. And he explained, he's a nurse, and he explained to me the science and the testing and how it is, why it is the way it is. So I always credit him because he actually sent me down the path of here's the scientific inquiry mm-hmm. on how this testing works. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're... If you test for HIV, like the way we do with with the uh, was it the microRNA test, we're looking for viral load, not antibodies. So mm-hmm. that shortens the duration. We can see the viral load. If 14 days ago you had no viral load or a low viral load, it doesn't replicate fast enough in 14 days for it to be transmittable. Mm-hmm. So so as long as you test again. So every fourteen, we're good. I mean, okay. The science on it. So is, you're saying that like somebody could test at fourteen days and they might have it, but they wouldn't be able to transmit it within that fourteen day window. Yes. Is what you're saying? Yeah, because the, the viral because uh, HIV transmits based on viral load. Right. Right. So so it has to be a certain amount of viral load viral in order to, to transmit. transmit okay. Right. And so if you um and if you understand that, then I'm like, okay, they could have gotten HIV yesterday and I could fuck them up the ass today or they could fuck me up the ass, but it doesn't mean I'll get HIV. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a viral loading issue. People don't really understand that. That's interesting because actually I didn't really know that either. Yeah, so that's that's how that works. That's why we do the 14-day test with the microRNA. And there right. are some people saying, oh, but it, but it looks for the virus and so if your viral load is too low, you would you show up as is clear. Right. Well that yes, that's true. Right. That is true. Um however, 
if the concern is getting HIV, what yeah. do I care if this person has had HIV even if yeah. they don't have it now and they can't give it to me? Right. So yeah, because the concern is transmitting it. That the concern is transmission. This is why I think California State just you know moved it into misdemeanor status off mm-hmm. of felony status in terms of knowing knowingly transmitting HIV to mm-hmm. another person because realistically it can be managed so well now. It's not the death sentence it was, mm-hmm. and but there's a big lobby on making a lot of money on scaring people on this too. There's a mm-hmm. lot of money tra- changing hands. Yeah, for this to be the thing, you know, yeah. AIDS healthcare, you know, yeah. So you look at the lobby, look at the money behind it. Get realistic, Follow the money, right? Follow the money. Like realistically, yeah. I, you know, when you start looking into this, you go, wow, this is this is a bunch of do about nothing. So um, Tom Moore explained this to me. Mm-hmm. And after that, that's why after that, I was like, cool, I can work with all these people. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. You totally just educated me on something. Yay. Cool. Um, I want to ask you also about um, OperationMilf.com. Yes. And you, so you come from a military background. Yes, I and um, so I would imagine that obviously you have a certain affinity towards veterans. I do. And so tell us about this website. Yeah. So what happened, I, I love the military um, for all the reasons because I grew up around them. Mm-hmm. And my dad was, he was Army and he was a civilian contractor. So that, like, I come from like that kind of rough and tumble background. Mm-hmm. I think people can tell after they talk with me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so for some reason, I've always generated those kinds of fans, you yeah. know? And these guys were sending me pictures of themselves and their dicks and stuff. And I was like, I want to fuck these guys. These guys are hot. Okay, so you actually like dick pics. I love dick pics. Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. I'm like, You're the only girl I've had on who's been like, yeah, send me dick pics. I'm like, oh, I fucking hate dick pics. Oh, I, lo- I love it. Maybe it's the egotist in me, but I'm like, you got your dick hard for me or you thought about it. You send it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And that's why I make them do cum treatments. I'm like, like, I want a picture of your dick hard in front of my porn. Nice. Like, stroke it to my porn, do a video. You know, it's really funny. I once had a guy send me um, a photo of his cum all over, like, an 8 by 10 picture that he'd printed out of me. Yeah. And he sent it to me. And at first I was grossed out. And then I was like, you know what? That's the most authentic compliment I've ever gotten. See? See, that's what I'm like, I don't understand the, the hatred because I'm, like, fucking cool. Like, I want – but I don't want, like, a general dick pic. I want, like, a specific – Yes. Like, I want it to know that that dick was hard because of me. Yes. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I have my – Go like, don't fucking send me your di- hard dick for somebody else. Like, yeah. Get the shit out of my inbox. But I, like, I now I've collected them, so I want to turn it into like coffee table book. Oh god, that's great. Of, of dick. Yeah. yeah. So that's hilarious. I think they're cool. I'm, like it's awesome. Like they send me, it's like oh, it's like a postcard from a gentleman caller, but it's a penis. You know, it's, it's nice. And plus, like such a variety of penises. It's, there certainly are. I li- and I life was like cool. This is awesome. Like, it's a cornucopia. It's a cockacopia. Cockacopia. Yeah. Okay, so milf. Operation Milf. Okay, so Operation Milf. So, so I wanted to fuck these guys, and I was like, well, how do I do that? And I was like, oh, I should just fuck them for my site. I yeah. Just make them amateur talent, like, mm-hmm. which I can't do with like active duty. Um, <laughs> I actually have a couple of friends who are kind of like important people in mm-hmm. Arlington who are like, hey, Mercedes, can you like not fuck our guys who are yeah. active duty? And I'm yeah. like, because they, they're okay with it covertly. They're like, yeah. good. Like, yeah. yeah like, like, Rally the troops, but don't do it while they're active duty because it's a problem for them. And there's security clearances and stuff. So it's all veterans now. Okay. Um, so people that are no longer active in the Army. Yeah. Okay. No, Army, Navy, Marine Corps. I, I like for some reason I have a role of connection to the Marine Corps. Like mm-hmm. I know a bunch of Marines. I, uh, I do uh, cameos on a thing called Vet TV. Mm-hmm. Just down in San Diego, and they've got their own like Netflix for veterans, mm-hmm. veteran content. Fucking hilarious guys. Um, yeah, so I, I shoot, like, I'm just doing scenes, though. I've done like close to uh, seven, seven ish that are mm-hmm. publishable. Some of them are shorter. And I'm not doing, like, I'm not doing porn scenes. Like, I'm not doing, like, 
scenes, like mm-hmm. lights. I'm doing like amateur content. Yeah. So it's basically me just cherry picking dudes that I want to fuck or and, ladies. And how has uh, how's that gone for you? Because I had a maybe the, I mean this this is a professional um, production, but I had a show on Playboy TV. Oh, cool! Called Adult Film School, and the whole premise was amateur couples uh, having sex, like getting professional sex tape made. So it was yeah. like real couples that were together, yeah. and um, and none of them had ever done it before. Yeah. So, um, you know, usually husbands and wives and stuff like that. Yeah. And the fail rate in terms of like guys being able to get their dicks hard was uh-huh. like 80%, dude. It was horrible. I can, I can totally imagine because all the pressure too. Yeah. Like, this is, I, I do real low pressure. Like it's a real, like, yeah, because we had like 30 people on our set. It was a huge production. Yeah. We built these massive sets. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the pressure was insane. Yeah. That's, and that's, I mean, this is, that's what makes our, especially our coxmen in the industry who I think don't get as much credit. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult job, but that's why like with these guys, like either I'm doing spy cam, I'm doing cell phone, Mm handicam, like it's, it's sex tapes. Mm -hmm. And these are guys who are young and dumb and full of cum. So like, (laughs) you know, they'll get their dicks hard. Like we're going to get, we're going to get So you've been pretty successful with that. Yeah. Plus they signed up. Like these are the guys with the bravado who go, Hey, I want to, I want to do this. I'm going to smash it. And you know, and some of them do really well. And I did one, like actually Mickey Finn, he's kind of an amateur uh, performer. Mm -hmm. So I did a scene with him that was more pro with like the lights and stuff. Because I I realized one thing that was fucking him up, the first couple ones I did that weren't like I couldn't publish was the lighting. Yeah. It really fucks people up when they're not used to it. Like we're used to this. Yes. So it's no big deal. I'm like, oh, there's lights on. Yeah, Yeah. of course. But, um, because I mean, it's literally like being put on a stage with spotlights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the guy's dick has to get hard. Talk about a fucking like emasculating experience. Yes. do it so oh god i can't even tell you like it was i, I humiliated so many men on oh, that show no, I, Dude, bet. I like honestly i would come home every day and be like oh. i'm just a dream crusher oh, i'm but- like destroying these people's relationships probably because yeah. the wives and the girlfriends would get all pissed because their oh, boyfriend no. couldn't get hard oh, no. They'd be like, what's wrong with you like you know don't you like don't you think i'm sexy and it has nothing to do with that no. it's just the fact that you've got 30 people watching yeah you you've got a massive set you've got all these right. lights you know what i found would get people more than anything was the silence oh yeah because normally like when you're getting it on you put some music Music yeah, on or something yeah. like that. To yeah. set the mo- nothing. Because yeah. we, you know, copyright yeah. issues. Yeah. So there's a guy with a boom holding it right over you, and it's like, okay, action. And it's fucking dead silent. Totally. And it's all on you, and there's just 30 people like watching. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it was awful. Oh, yeah. Especially because you're, you're doing it for Showtime, too. So it's just such a like. Well, it was for HBO. Oh, HBO. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> Playboy TV. Playboy TV. Jesus Christ. So Playboy TV. So, Playboy TV. Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> but. You know, that's like those crews are yeah, huge. huge. Play, Playboy TV, like I did a, um, a thing for Playboy TV. It was like this fitness show or whatever. But they had like this huge like film style crew, yeah. like 30 people. And yeah. I was like, wow, like yeah. lights. And I, like I, I would, I probably would have a moment of like, okay, before fucking. Yeah, like totally. Because it's a lot of fucking people watching. Yeah. Like even like we did some thing where I was like rolling on the ground being sexy and I was like, this is weird because there's all these people watching. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to start skeleton crews. And we're, I know. And we're all I've friends. Got, yeah. And I've got like two assistants at the most. Yeah. And that's And a nice. makeup artist and me. And it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's great because it's like yeah. a family. Like, yeah. You know, after a while you're in the industry, like, I felt like, hey, Holly. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like and everybody knows each other. Knows each other. Yeah. All the assistants know the models. And yeah, Everyone's exactly. Comfy, it's know. a little community. Totally. Yeah. And I, that, that's what I love about it, actually. Yeah. That's what I love about porn. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it, I, I if it's a very, that's why I said, like, it's not a, it's not a traditional porn set. It's not even a traditional Faka fan. Because mm-hmm. also, you know, the, and the thing with the military, and I love them so much because these guys, if you look at like where a lot of the deployment zones are that aren't like Southeast Asia, um, they don't have 
any like formal outlet for their sexuality. And they, like porn has been banned in a lot of the barracks mm-hmm. because there's more female staff and stuff like that. So, but these guys are jerking off in two minute intervals in the latrines, mm-hmm. and. That's psychologically damaging when you're you're in a, in a war zone and then you actually have you're totally disconnected from your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the Roman legion always had um, a legion of basically prostitutes. That oh would, yeah, they would follow them. That would go with the yeah. legion, and that makes sense. Yep. And, and also, you keep all of the diseases and the pool together. Mm-hmm. What are these guys going to do in Fallujah? Yeah. I mean, like the best they have is like there's there's Arab families. I hear all about it when these guys get back. That'll you know prostitute out their daughters. But you're talking like. This is not institutionalized, and these guys need to have that. And this, you're in a war zone, mm-hmm. so it's a really. It's I think pornography has a great benefit for that, especially that contingent of mm-hmm. men. And yeah. I, I, I encourage their use and consumption of it because mm-hmm. it's a safe way for them to be able to like Outlet. meet a need. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that yeah. men need to like it's scientific. Men totally. need to expel semen on a regular basis, absolutely. Otherwise, like it's not good for you, absolutely. And, and they're in an anxiety inducing oh, environment, so yeah. that's a that's a calming thing. Yes, and absolutely. you know it, this. So that's part of why I have like a real affinity for them mm-hmm. and. and Using doing the project that way because people had said, well, you know, you don't want to do a fuck a fan. I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to like just like reward people for jerking off all the time, like yeah. in their basement. So like some of them, I'm like, come on, bro, like I, you know, I'm not helping you if this is a crutch. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, that's not this is not healthy. Right. Um, you talking about people with porn addiction, like addiction, like mm-hmm. su- su- serious addiction. Yeah, it's not like a lot of people, but you know, there's some people. Where I'm like, okay, like, like let's talk about getting out of the real world. And, you know. Well, I mean, you know, like, look, there's a lot of things that people can get addicted to. You sure. know, I mean, coming from something like I'm a recovering alcoholic, yeah. so you know, like for me, alcohol is a fucking problem for me. Yeah, I can't drink it. I can't yeah. touch it. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that alcohol is bad. Yeah, right. It doesn't yeah. mean that other people shouldn't drink alcohol. Exactly. It doesn't mean that exactly. like you know, Smirnoff is full of bad people they're out right. to get me it's just right. like I personally yep. have this strange little glitch mm-hmm. in my fucking brain yep. where I can't drink alcohol right. some people have that with pornography Absolutely. some people have that with food Absolutely. some people have that with exercise you totally. know what I mean it's totally. like it doesn't make it's just a symptom of a deeper issue absolutely 100% and that's and that's where like, I can't vet that like I can't if I do a fuck a fan I want to make sure that I'm doing it ethically yes and that I'm not enabling somebody into something that's unhealthy for them mm-hmm. it's like with Otmilf I you know like no married guys no guys with kids no guys mm-hmm. with security clearances no guys whose careers could be inhibited by this like I've got a lot of protocols like a list that I put mm-hmm. them through because I don't want this to end up being a damaging thing right. for them Right, and some of them, you know, like like some of them have really distinctive tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can blur their faces, and they can still show their buddies or whatever. Like, I, I that's me. Mm-hmm. People know that it's them, yeah. without having to expose who they are, their actual identity. Because I'm I'm careful about that because I think about the implications, especially for a lot of them that were security contractors. Right. Do do you only blur their faces if they request it, or if do you do it to everybody? Okay. If they request, okay. I, I don't I don't do it. Like if they're willing to talk about it, then. I'd rather have them on camera. So it's right. not like a real, it's very case by case. Like that's why I, it's a very informal kind of thing. It literally, and, and it was funny because I, I announced all I put on Twitter was like, a, it was like a year ago. I said, I, I'm going to do this. So any vets hit me up and then military times took it and all these different military sites. But it's been a little slow moving because it's just been hard to find the right house for it. Mm-hmm. And also I'm just doing this on my own yeah. time. This is just yeah. my little pet project. So yeah. it's kind of like, 
But this year, I, I plan to really ramp it up once the site relaunches. So it'll be OperationWolf.com. Uh, Pornstar Platinum will be hosting it. And uh, by next year, I'll, I should have a lot more scenes because I want to start shooting a bunch in the fall. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. God, you're such an interesting person. Thank you. I love it. You're interesting. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything that your fans should go check out that you think is like a really great, strong scene that you've done that you're super proud of? Oh, uh, um, You know, I've, I feel really good about my scenes this year. Mm-hmm. Like I decided – Last year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be here for long haul, so I should like really take this very seriously. Because mm-hmm. I, th- not that I didn't take it seriously before, yeah, but I think I wasn't invested in it as art, yeah. So that changed for me, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's let's treat this as art. Every mm-hmm. time we go on set, let's. How, yeah. how do I make that that? Um, I've got a couple of anal scenes that are coming out that I haven't hit yet. Mm-hmm. One was with, um, no, both were with Marcus Dupree. One is with for Darko Johnny Darko, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Uh, Bill Bailey and Marcus and I and I haven't done like a DP yet so I want to do that eventually because mm-hmm. I love anal but I like DPs more so mm-hmm. like but we didn't we didn't film a DP yeah so that's going to be really good and then an oil scene I did with Marcus for uh, Pat uh, Pat Mine? Mine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. On, on Elegant I don't know when that'll come out but I'm proud of those because Marcus and I together like Energy, energy, energy. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. He's an intense performer. Oh, he's great. Like, yeah. He's so we did a cop scene like earlier this year and it yeah. wasn't anal. It was yeah. just like rare for him. Yeah. It was super fun. It got a lot of, co- and, and I loved it because they gave me an official cop uniform as opposed to a sexy cop. Oh, cool. So it was dope. Because well, I, well, who was that for? It was uh, for Reality Kings. It was okay. Billy Visual. And Billy just went all out. He got like a cop car. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I so love Billy. He's great. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. His wife's cool. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great people. But yeah. um, it was, it, that's like, I really like that. And so now they've been giving me like reality cop things and I'm so stoked. On that, oh my god! Because I don't have to be sexy cop; I can be like a real cop. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like I'm down for that. <laughs> That's amazing. Mercedes, thank you so much for coming on. It thank, was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, can you tell uh, some of your possible new fans where they can find you on social media? Yes, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Mercedes XXX or on Instagram at BasedMilf. Nice. And then OperationMilf.com, or you can email me. Uh, email me at Mercedes. Uh, no. Uh, book Mercedes Carrera at gmail.com. Perfect. Yep. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and Twitter. I actually also created a Facebook page um, and a Facebook group for this podcast. So just go to Facebook and search Holly Randall Unfiltered. And I will accept you into the group and we go and we talk about all the cool stuff that um, I do on the show, upcoming guests and all that kind of stuff. So thank you all so much and we'll see you next week. That woman is so incredibly intelligent. I am so grateful that she came on the show. Um, I think she really enlightened us about, you know, what it's like to work in transgender porn as well as straight porn. Also, you know, why she left such a prestigious job that, you know, one would consider to be something that only really smart people would do to go to a job that what some people consider only stupid people would do, which is porn. And she, you know, obviously shatters those stereotypes that porn stars can't be intelligent. I also love too, that she's a big supporter of um, vets and that she is doing this whole like fuck a veteran um, situation that she's, you know, very supportive of the military and um, all these things are really great. And she's just a really intelligent, inspiring woman. And I'm so grateful that she took the time to come on and talk to us. Next week on the podcast, we have girl, girl performer, Charlotte Stokely. She is a brilliant little thing. Very funny, very smart. So you definitely don't want to miss this one. So make sure that you tune in next week on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs>